Hey, Joy Starters, Rachel Joy Barbeau here. You heard me tell you a couple of weeks ago that we were going to do new and different things. Cutting edge, baby, when it comes to this podcast. And one of those things is introducing you to people in my orbit, people in my Rolodex, people that I've been fortunate enough to meet because of my audaciousness, right? This person that I'm going to introduce you to in his podcast I've seen him, I've watched him, I've followed him, and I was audacious, and I introduced myself and said, I would make a great podcast guest on your podcast, and yep, that's exactly what happened, and I am so grateful to introduce you to my friend, Brian Covey. He was a former pro soccer player, he's a top podcaster, he's a keynote speaker, an author, And he's a family man, and he is the founder of Covey Holdings and the EVP at Revolution Mortgage. And I got a chance to be on his podcast, y'all. And it was just, again, a pinch me moment. So I wanted to bring you that podcast. I want to introduce you to Brian. I hope that you go to the show notes and follow him, follow his podcast. You will level up. You will learn. You will be better for it. And that is my job on this planet, one of my jobs, one of my job descriptions is to bring you smart, amazing people, expose you to them, and help you level up in every area of your life. I believe that's one of my things I'm supposed to do in the world is spread wealth, spread knowledge, spread goodness in the world. And I do that by introducing you to fantastic people like my friend, Brian. Enjoy, my friends. From a professional soccer career to becoming a driving force in the mortgage industry, Brian Covey has shown what it takes to find your competitive edge, get off the sidelines, and get in the game. Find your competitive edge with Brian Covey. What's happening, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Finding Your Competitive Edge. So our guest today, I'm just going to tell you, she has a strong competitive edge. And as I was doing my homework and get ready for this, I'm so excited to introduce my new friend here because not only was she the first female sports reporter, but her book that we're going to talk about, Relentless Joy, what she's doing in coaching, how she's breaking down barriers and our pre-call kind of this podcast conversation, I can already tell you, you're going to be super excited. So my new friend, Rachel Joy Barbeau is going to bring some things to you in your life. If you're not experiencing joy, I'm not talking about happiness. If you're not experiencing pure joy and happy with where you are, we're going to talk about how you can create that in your life and also some ways that you can look back at patterns and things that you've done and really become that person that you enjoy the life that you live because I think that's what we all want. So I'm going to jump right into it, Rachel, because you got a lot of cool attributes here. And as we were talking before this, I got to ask the first one. You graduated from Auburn, right? You have some <laughs> Auburn lineage? I um, did. War Eagle. <laughs> So you'll love this. My sister-in-law is from, she went to Auburn. My brother-in-law went to Alabama. So we have this kind of uh, mixed world, but (laughs) tell me about, you're the first female sports reporter and you have a show on Sirius XM and ESPNU and how in the world did you get into that? Because I know you had a little bit of studying in Auburn, but how did you get into that? And let's tell some people, if they may not know some of that story, you broke, you broke history. You're the first one to break through. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, wow, you talk about a competitive edge um, in whatever you do. I always, whenever I do media or when I wrote a book or when I broadcast it or when I share my story, I want people to see them in my story. Right. And how did I go from a young sportscaster at Auburn, graduating in radio, television, film, working my way up locally, 
regionally, and then becoming, as you mentioned, the first female host on Sirius XM on their collegiate channels, voting for the Heisman and hosting the first five years of the college football playoff, literally got to usher in history all while I'm pinching myself. I'm just going, God, me, me, like me. Um, But I did it through sheer determination. You know, my name of my book is Relentless Joy. I think if people were to describe me, a lot of people would say relentless. And that doesn't mean that I didn't have my face down in the mud and make many mistakes. I battled with addiction in my life. I've lost both my parents. Um, I've battled, I've been through a lot of things, let's just say. (laughs) And, uh, uh, but for me, there's always been this will to keep going and, and to crawl back up. I call it fingernail faith, my friend. And it's when you're hanging on by like the quicks of your fingernails and you're like, you ain't got nothing left, but you are hanging in there. And I tell people now across the country that I've learned more about myself face down in the mud than I ever did on the mountaintop. And um, so I'm blessed for that journey of got jobs and then didn't get jobs and got opportunities and then got passed over. And, And I learned through every one of those things and I kept my eyes on the prize and got all the way to the top and made history, herstory for women and made spaces for women that are now still on the channel, even though I've retired from sports casting and I see them and I have this crazy pride in my heart to know that I helped open doors for these women. It's incredible. I know. And I remember you being on there too. So as I'm prepping for this, I'm like, hold on, I know you've done all these things and I've seen you there and, yeah. and you're right. And there is this real surge of you know female sports reporters and, and whether it's soccer, which I'm a huge fan of, right? Or you got UFC and of course, football and other sports. And I love that you kind of gave some of that journey because a lot of people are like, well, how did you get from over here to over there? And, and you talked about some of the setbacks. And yeah. I, I agree with you. And I'm going to tell you, Rachel, like, that is where I have learned the most about myself and life. Were there any big setbacks along that journey that you look back and you're like, man, that one almost derailed me, but was maybe one of those, those setup moments for you? So, this is going to be a mask off moment. We, we talk about my movement. I'm changing the narrative, radical vulnerability. And even before the pandemic started, I started teaching on this concept of taking your mask off, the mask that you wear for people that that you wear. Oh, I'm fine. Everything's good. <laughs> but inside you're struggling and you might be anxious or depressed or a whole myriad of things. But in my 20s, as I was climbing the ladder Um, in the sports world, I was leading a double life and I was battling um, addiction. I uh, tried some, you know, hard drugs whenever I was in college and, um, uh, you know, a little bit of fun became a full-blown addiction. And um, I ended up getting clean at 29 by the grace of God. And um, for a long time, and there's, there's a lesson here for a long time, I never talked about that part of my story. Because I had a sports agent many years ago that told me, because I, I, I go in twice a year to a women's, Christian women's halfway house, and I talked about it there. But this agent told me, you cannot talk about this story outside of the, that building or put it on recording because there will be people that will not hire you because of it. 
So what happened? And I know now was this man attached shame to my story, my friend Mm -hmm. and his shame. He was ashamed of me. And so I never talked about it. And about two years ago, I went to my husband. We were about to get married. And I said, I feel a calling of God to start telling this part of my story, because whether it's drugs, food, alcohol, porn, whatever it is, a lot of people are hamstrung by addiction and they're, they're battling it or somebody they love is battling it. And so he gave me his blessing and um, and I've begun to talk about it with my mask off unashamed sense. And it's helped a lot of people get loose. So what I want to share with people is while I'm climbing this ladder, I'm simultaneously living this double life and like and and battling. Right. And and um, again, by the grace of God, it's why I love God so much. People are like you're you know, you're kind of a Jesus freak. You're crazy about God. I said, well, have you been where I've been? Woo boy, you would be crazy about him too. Yeah. Oh, you know, I found too, Rachel, and you've, you've got your podcast yeah. and everything there. And I'm sure you know, this is like some of my favorite people in the best moments yeah. I have found, they were living that very much too, right? They had the mask and they were high profile in a certain area of their life. Many of them athletes or reporters yeah. or something. And they led this double life all the while they were successful, but they really never found that joy you talk about until either they found their faith, which, you know, I'm obviously on that train of, I've, yeah similar experience. Yeah. But they, they think it's almost normal. And like, in a way, man, I just can't take the mask off. I can't take the mask off because what will people think of me? Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody out there that, that maybe they're where you were and they, they are living a dual life and whatever their addiction, like you said, there's, there's so yeah. many yeah. today yeah. that we could just be pouring ourselves into and kind of idolizing. Yeah. Where, where should they start to start moving forward out yeah. of that life? I think it's a great question. And I would tell people it's a, it's a multi-layered answer. One, first of all, um, if you have a faith system or if you're curious about God, reach out to you, reach out to me and we'll walk through, we'll walk you. I'm, I'm doing it tonight. I have a player that is struggling and, and wants to know God. And I'm going to talk to him about it tonight. Secondarily, I would say sometimes you need Jesus and therapy. Um, <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you need Jesus and medication. Um, you know, Jesus created a lot. God created a lot of great people that are therapists and medication that can help in a lot of situations. Thirdly, I would say find your people. Um, and I'm so passionate about this because I have run into people over the years that I told my vision to this big vision of I'm changing the narrative and all the things that I've done and their eyes got wide. And they were like kind of backed up like, oh, I think you should focus on one thing or do this or do that. But and I'm not mad at those people. My point is they just weren't my people. So find who your people are, a family, a friend and ask them, hey, I'm, I'm going through some things. Would you be willing to listen to me? And I teach this all the time, too. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. How many times in my life have I been guilty of listening to respond And not truly listening to somebody. And so I would say to that person who's struggling, again, pray if that's your thing, curiosity about that, therapy, and then finding somebody trusted to talk to. And then I would also say, let's let's challenge the societal norms that you have been brought up with. So many men that I work with have got this antiquated view of masculinity that is killing men in record numbers across this country. And it is this idea that men to be masculine, to be attractive, need to man up, shut up, put some dirt on it and keep moving. And that way of thinking is literally killing men in droves, young men, older men. And if it's not a literal death, 
it's a slow death where we smile at people, but we're dying inside. Oh, man. There's so much to unpack. Those three lessons you gave. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's it. And I look at the anchors that you have in your life and, you know, faith being one of them. You often talk about fitness being one of them. You can build up your confidence and your belief. But I love you talk about that last one, the proximity of the people that you're around. And and, in our group, we talk about, you know, who's in your corner, that really close group. Then you got this circle. It's more people in there. You know, a lot of times people are afraid. They look around and like you said, people told you like, hey, Rachel, like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Big eyes and all the stuff. I've experienced that. If if somebody's looking at their their people around them today, I'm often asked this. I'd love your answer. How do they go find these new people? Because sometimes they just look at like most of the people around me today, I mean, they're not successful. Like they're not going where I want to go. Like how do yeah. they go find these new people in this tribe out there? Yeah. You know, the first thing that you have to do before you physically do anything else is be open to it in your spirit. Be open to having conversations in the grocery store, on the airplane. You make, I make, we make a, we make a decision in our nonverbals and in our spirit before we get on an airplane, whether we are going to engage with somebody or not engage with somebody, just by the way we sit down, just by the way we show up. And I now, when I travel, I am the weirdest person maybe, but I love airports. I love hellos. I love goodbyes. And I physically and and subconsciously make a decision before I go, who am I going to meet here? What's going to happen, right? So if you're traveling, make that decision. I'm open. Going to the grocery store, going to a park, maybe a church, maybe it's a meetup group. Maybe there are a a hiking group. I I don't know what that is. I love to do, I'm the nerd that uh, I'll be in a city and I love to go take a tour by myself, you know, so I'll end up on a tour with like, you know, seven older couples and me, you know, in a, in a city and I meet people that way. So I, I think there's a lot of physical ways to go out and do it. But I think before you, and you're so much about mindset and so successful, I think before you go and physically do it, there's a decision in your soul to say, I'm open to receive new friends. I want to be around people that are smarter. Look, here's the reality of it. I look at my friend circle. I got married almost two years ago and I had a girlfriend that was kind of ribbing me a little bit because I had 10 bridesmaids. And I said, look, babe, I said, I was a military brat. And then I moved every three years for sport uh, to be a sportscaster. And I said, so I've collected friends along the way. When I look at my friends, each one of my friends has something that I look up to. They are amazing human beings as mothers, as friends, as communicators, in their business, you know, whatever it is. And they make me better people, right? And that's that's why they're in my circle. So I I love it that you, you know, you're talking about, hey, first identify it, but also get right in your spirit and say, I'm ready to meet some new people wherever my path takes me. You're listening out there. I think you just hit something that is overlooked and not talked about enough, which is that power of intention. And you're talking about getting on a plane, going to an event, going to your church, going to your kid's ball game, like going to the grocery store, like all these places you're already going to be, you know, as you're sharing that, I thought about last week, I was at this event in Columbus, Ohio, book thinkers and all that. There's going to be 70 people there. And I, I tell people this, honestly, is like, take the mask off and all that. I still get nervous. Like, I know I'm going to speak in the afternoon. Like, I'm going to meet all these new people. I'm like, okay, I still get a little bit nervous about it. And I set my intention that day for, I'm going to connect up and just listen. Yeah. 
I'm going to, what's the vibe of this room? Like what's happening? And I changed what I was going to talk about for that afternoon. And it landed so much better than what I'd come in prepared for. And I thought about that. And I share that as an example, because as each of us show up every day, we do have a choice. If your intention is I want to connect up with people. I want to listen to people. You talked about that two ears, one mouth. Yeah. How much different would your days be? And you know what you just said that I love, I love about you. Um, by the way, we're going to be really good friends. I just have this feeling. Um, you're in my tribe now. So you said something that Pastor Jensen Franklin, I used to go to his church in Atlanta, one of my favorite pastors. He says, um, same thing. He says, you know, I'm nervous up here after all these years, like good nerves, healthy nerves. And he says, y'all don't know it. He said, but inside, and I'm trying to do his, his accent. He's so great. But he says, inside this Bible, I got five sermons. He said, I'll start preaching one and I'll look at you. And if you're not getting it, cut, 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 he says, and he says, I'll go to another one. The best speakers, and I teach people how to be a great speaker. The best speakers are also peopleologists, so to speak. They are reading people's body languages. They're reading the room. They're moving. I tell people this all the time. Get out from behind the lectern. Get out from behind the podium and walk and and look people in their eyeballs. So I love that about you that you're like, hey, I'm not. First of all, there's a level of humility that's really that's really amazing in that. But but you're like, hey, I, I may need to I may need to pivot. And the power of pivoting in so many areas of your life is I can't even speak to to how big that is. Oh, that's cool. And thank you for the compliment. It's one that I share this with people often is there's so many great speakers and I learn and, and, and figure out, OK, what do they do well and I realized my dad being a psychologist, one of the things I do is I can read people and like the energy, I just, I can feel it and vibe off of that. Well, not everybody can do that, but if you can read a room and connect with a few people in there, like you said, of like there, maybe you're in the airport or in the grocery store at your kid's game, you just connect up with one or two people on a deep level. That's, that's how relationships are formed. It, it, okay. So I'm going to be brief with these stories, but just as a really quick example, the other thing I've stopped doing is cursing a delayed flight, especially um, celebrating 9-11, not celebrating, memorializing and honoring 9-11. I, I celebrated the her, the heroism uh, yesterday of Todd Beamer. Um, yeah, and I let saw you, that. Just insane. Um, I think about it every single year and I want to carry that throughout the year, but I don't ever curse a delayed flight anymore um, because I don't know what God protected me from. And I always also don't know who I'm supposed to sit next to. So I had a delayed flight recently, sat next to a woman. I won't say her name. She's asking for double drinks, you know, two or three double. And I'm like, woo, she must be, you know, I'm, I, I make these, you know, thoughts in my head, these initial thoughts in my head. I'm like, she must be good about to have fun at her destination. Well, we get to talking. She's going home to say goodbye to her mother. And I have done that same thing. And uh, having lost my mother to cancer four years ago, I've become this unofficial person to be able to help other people walk through the end of life with their loved ones and the things I learned, the things I did well, the things I wish I'd done. So, you know, we embraced. She came back to me. We cried. We prayed together. I was able to pray with her on the plane. I'll never see her again. But that delayed flight led to that. Just last week, I was on a flight with a woman and uh, she lives in Guatemala and we start talking and strike up this great friendship. And she says, come to Guatemala and stay with me. You know, and so, I mean, and these, these are the nuggets people think. 
And I was a slave to success for a large part of my life. People think that money and things and accolades will bring you joy and lasting joy. But I'm telling you, it's those little connections over and over and over again. It's the smile of somebody you hold the door for. It's that your ch- children's laughter at the end of your life. You're not people aren't going to say at your funeral. I saw this yesterday. They're not going to say, oh, what a great couch and expensive shoes you had. They're not going to say it and you can't take your stuff with you. That's not to say you don't need to be smart and prudent and plan and all of those things. But I will tell you at the end of your life, you're going to want more time and more of those precious memories. If you've been subscribed to this podcast for any amount of time, you know I coach. I talk about it. But maybe you're not in the place financially, emotionally, psychologically, time-wise where you can undertake coaching right now, but you could take a course. Did you know you could go to rachelbarbeau.com and hit course and take the joy blueprint? Yes, the second time around that I taught the blueprint, I recorded it and made it into a course. It's got a worksheet for each week. It's five weeks worth of lessons, and you can grab that today. You can start today and get on the joy train, rachelbarbeau.com. I'd love to see you there. I love that. I mean... As I hear you say that, you know, how many times do we see somebody and as you're out and you start to embark on this journey, we're like, okay, go meet people, be intentional, be there. We immediately start to build this narrative gap or a story about this is why they're drinking. This is why they're rude. This is yeah. why whatever. And like, instead of just listening to their story. And, and I love that about you. So when we were starting this up, you told me something very profound, which I love. You know who you are. You said, mm-hmm. Hey, I am not a business coach. I'm not an executive coach. I am a movement coach and everything you've said so far is in such alignment with that because everything you're talking about requires movement Mm -hmm. physically, mentally, and all that. Talk to me about that because that's why I might go a movement coach. Like, (laughs) okay, Rachel, Brian, what what in the world are you (laughs) talking about? You know? Our uh, our mutual friend, Brittany Turner, gave me that name, and it's because I've created uh, two movements, the I'm Changing the Narrative movement, which has been around seven years. We just celebrated our seventh birthday, and seven years I've worked with 60-plus colleges, many of them multiple times. Um, I've worked with Customs and Border Patrol, Law Enforcement, Big Ten, Big 12, Northern Sun, getting into the NFL. They just called. So, you know, um, halfway houses just went to a maximum security prison. Um, at, we've been all over and, and I create movements and there are people out there that have a movement inside of them. They have something that they're, they're dying to birth, that they know the thing that sets their soul on fire. And whether it is a passion project that's on the side of your real job or whether you it becomes something you actually earn an income from, that remains to be seen. But I help bring that out of people and help them do that with the side of joy. People also come to me for for joy coaching to figure out how to overcome things, how to live with more joy in every part of their life. I'm, I'm coaching two, uh, two co-founders, two CEOs of a corporation right now and their best friends. And so that's been a joy to me to be able to help them find more joy, not only in their business, their personal lives and, and how they're leaving a legacy. It's, it's, it's so awesome to be able to, when I, when I, I've been a coach sportscasters and now movement joy coaching. I've coached on and off for 15 years. And when I see other people have success, have more joy, when I see the light bulb go off in their soul, my friend, there's nothing like it. Nothing, nothing like it. I I love that you share that too, because guys, if you listen to the clarity 
And then you have this repeated success and pattern of, okay, this is what I've done. This gave me joy. And, and you, you hit on something I talk about a lot. It's like, you can make all the money in the world. And if it's not in alignment, and if it's not really feeding that joy piece in your heart and your soul, there's just not enough money. You think it's going to be this amount. You get there. You realize it isn't it. You're like, oh, I'm just going to move the goalpost out. And you get to the next amount. And I've been around enough people, fortunately, I'm sure you have too, is they just kept moving the goalpost out and, and they were after the wrong goalpost. <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. T.D. Jakes, I, I saw him. I do the exact same thing you do. When I'm not out speaking, um, I people say, what do you do when you're not on the road? I'm studying. I'm learning. I'm reading books. I'm I'm. You know, years ago, PJ Flex said to me, I went into his program seven years ago and he said to me, he called me in his office and he gave me an edict and he didn't even realize it, but it was like a pivotal moment, a seminal moment in my life where he said, if you'll be able to speak on more than this one topic, which is originally purpose, passion, platform, my own experience with domestic violence and how to change the narrative. He said, if you'll be able to talk about more than that, I'll continue to have you in. And like he... And so I took the challenge and I went home and I studied relationships and I studied psychology and I studied joy and I studied um, mental health. I studied how soul care, which I feel like is deeper than self-care. And so now I can talk on all of those topics. He's had me in true to his word seven years in a row, um, hosting mental health games with him, just been amazing. And so uh, T.D. Jake said this recently in studying him. He said, there's this thing where people are waiting to be happy. I'll be happy when I get the job. I'll be happy when I get the girl. I'll be happy when I get the promotion, when I make another $50,000. I'll be happy when. And what I tell people is, first of all, time is the greatest commodity. Secondarily, you're living oftentimes right in the middle of a memory. So be happy now. Don't be say, don't say I'll be happy when right now you can be happy. You can find things to be joyful for. I found joy in the midst of losing my mom. I found joy in the midst of losing everything um, after my mom passed away. And if I can find joy in those things, I, I tell people you can find joy in your circumstances too. Oh man. How powerful is that? Let's jump into the book because that's all about it. Relentless joy. Yeah. Now this finding freedom, which is a huge word for me, passion and happiness. I'd love to start because we've mentioned happiness and we've mentioned joy together. How would you delineate between the two and are they different? Um, I can't, I want to hear your, your version too, but mine is happiness is fleeting. It's based on, on outward things. It's based on the weather and how you feel and, and, and those things and it can come and it can go. Joy is something like Maya Angelou said, like it's a rumbling deep down in your soul. You know, it's this, um, it's this way of living like rarefied air, man. Like, you know, no, every day is not going to be perfect, but I have joy. And I'm so, I'm thank you. I have joy that I got up today, that God even chose to woke, wake me up today. And I I heard somebody say recently too, it's a good one. Did you have a bad day? Or did you have a bad five minutes that you let ruin your whole day? And I'm like, oh, boom, so good. So, yeah, I want to hear your, what's your definition of the difference between joy and happiness? So I relate to what you said 
And what I've, I've experienced in my own life is the times that I equated happiness, it was always external. Mm. And when you said that about, you know, TD is like, I'll be happy when, and that happiness was fleeting because I could get it and then it would elude me. Yeah. And it was very feelings based. And what I realized is, and I could, I could get to it, but it never stuck around. Yeah. And that, let's be real, that sucks. Like that, who, who wants to go chase something only to find it almost like I'll be happy when I make this amount of money. You get there and go, well, that isn't it. Yeah. And what you, you said about joy, I have really come to find as a truth. And one, I know we're both believers. And I, th- I think, you know, as Jesus teaches about joy is joy can be brought from the inside out. Yes. It is contagious too, yeah. where happiness is all about the one person. Like I really can't share my happiness and make you happy. Yeah. I've found yeah. joy though. I can transfer energy because it's inside of me. And it's so like, as you said, like soul deep that yeah. you're like, dude, I don't know what just happened to that person, but <laughs> they're joyful even when their world just falls apart. And, and I know we've both had those experiences where like 0708 was one of the worst yeah. for me having our first two kids and then the financial collapse and being in the real estate and mortgage industry is like, it's all gone. So if it was just about happiness, I lost it all. Yeah. But joy, how did my wife and I, like, how did we find smiles? Like, how did we find like a date night still? That's joy. Find the things that really give you joy. That's, that's how I describe it. I think very similar to yours is and when you know the difference, you're actually pursuing the right things. You know, and I think too, I can't speak for you, but I would say, um, you know, would I look back and would I, um, would I not like to have gone through addiction for the people that I hurt? Absolutely. Um, would I would have liked to um, avoid the pain of, of losing my home and losing things after my mom passed away and then subsequently losing all my speaking engagements because of the pandemic and um, everything got canceled because everybody's budgets got frozen. Um, would I like to avoid those things? Yes. Um, but deep down, Absolutely. I know that they happen to me because um, one, I can help other people and I am relatable. And I teach people this concept that we are dying at the altar of perfection, perfectionism. And in actuality, more people are drawn to your imperfections than they ever were your perfections. And so I love that you talk about that, that I am drawn to people on social media, in real life, who are real people. Right. Who have not that it's just the bling bling and the cars and the success and all the happy, happy, high, high moments, man. I'm not drawn to that. I'm drawn to real people who have been through some real crap, who maybe still have some stink on them and, you know, come out with some soot. And they're teaching from that place and they become better, not bitter. So kudos to you. Amen. I tell everybody this is like, here's the deal. When you see that on social the awareness that I think people like us have is, is I'm aware that I'm one decision away from a massive breakthrough and success that could happen. And I'm also very well aware I'm one decision away from something horrible Yeah, because we're human. Yes. God created this light and dark. And I tell everybody, it's like, I have the same tendencies and urges and things and all of that. And I'm just one decision away. And unless you are grounded and you have some of these things we've talked about, and Rachel, that you shared is, man, we're just human and we could fall quickly. And so I go, and I, that's why I go, I'm no better than the next person. How can I judge them when my life is full of screw ups and mistakes? And mm. guess what? Today, to your point, 
I may make a mistake. I will make a mistake. I do know that. I'll just (laughs) call what it is. And when it does happen, my thing is, man, okay, what happened? I'm going to sit with it for a minute. Why did I do that? Like, what's the pattern? What, what, what happened? And then I want to move away from that with the lesson that I learned. So it's not repeatable and becomes this new habit. And so I don't know if you relate to that, but people want to shy away from the darkness. And I'm like, man, that is how God created us. You're dropping bombs and you're dropping bombs because of the fact I say it just a little bit different way, not only the mistake, but I say, um, if you're, if you are really after healing, get curious about your pain. Mm. So the next time you're angry with your spouse, man, marriage has taught me so much, (laughs) Lots of I'm sorry letters slipped under the door and it's a mirror to your face. And and also the beautiful part of it is you're married to your best friend. Hopefully I am. And yeah. I'm very blessed for that. But um, I, I like you, if I want my healing and I want to not repeat generational patterns and triggers and all of those things, when I do things that aren't becoming of me or not the way I wanted to act, if I'll sit with them and say, well, okay. What's underneath that anger? Because anger is only the symptom. There is a whole iceberg underneath the water of things that made you angry. Maybe you're hangry. Maybe you're fearful. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you're lonely. All of the, you know, figure out what it is. And that takes real courage and real bravery. I'm telling you, my husband and I, we can sit down after an argument, which we're almost two years. We've been together six years. And we're evolving so much. We can sit down after an argument and see exactly where we fell for the devil's old trap, old rusty trap. And we can say, look, babe, look what we did. We did that. Like, I'm, I love you. I'm sorry. Let's be better. And um, so, yeah, sit with those mistakes and sit with that anger if you're really courageous. How powerful. I, I can relate to that so much. And I could go on and on stories about that. But I was tell you guys, like, you're listening to this. Just know, and that's why I think you're so relatable and, and why we connect is, you know, I, I have, as I've matured and my wife, and I, we just celebrated 21 years and somebody asked me, thank you. And let me tell you, Rachel, somebody asked me last week and it was one of the coolest moments like, Hey, you know, I'm just married. You know, what advice would you give? And I was sharing them about, you know, extreme ownership and some of these things. And I said, what I have learned is to sit in the moment when I screw up and I do often is what really caused it yes. and my insecurities. patterns from my past and things will surface just in a blink of an eye. And it wasn't what they said or anything there. It was how I received it. So what I've learned is like, if I can receive that and realize my wife still loves me, like Mm -hmm. even when I screw up, just Mm -hmm. like God loves us. But when I get down to that root and I go, man, you know, it's because of this happened before and that's how that made me feel. And that was it. And I said, this is why, guys, we're on this personal development journey. Mm-hmm. There is no destination. I mean, it spawned this conversation and people are coming over and we're having this. And it was such a cool conversation. We actually had a gentleman, Rachel, that said he had gone through some really bad times with his wife. They got divorced and remarried. And so he had this other perspective. You just, again, it ties into what you said earlier. When you show up and you share and you take the mask off, like it just became this really cool conversation with now like five or six people. And you made me think of that because when we don't show up and share that truth, everybody's like, well, how, how, how do they work through their, do they not fight? 
Do they not have disagreements? And then we have then we have these stupid ideals that we're we're on social media and we're scrolling. We're like, well, look at their perfect marriage. Look at their date night. Look at their and and I call it doom scrolling. And then all yeah. of a sudden, comparisons a thief of joy, and you've sucked the the joy right out of what you have going on. And uh, there's a a therapist that's in Nashville that I'd love to introduce you to. She is fantastic. If I didn't grow up with her, I would. Uh, she wasn't my friend. She'd be my therapist. She taught me something that you just talked about, and it's that each one of us have um, we have a screen, a filter, and it's like the screen that kept the bugs out when you opened the window when you were a kid. And that screen is everything that you receive, your wife or anybody, anybody that says anything to you comes through that screen. And your childhood, your generational patterns, your triggers, your hurts, your everything, your inner child work, which is fascinating. All of that makes up that screen. And so your wife can say something to you that didn't mean anything bad at all. But if we're not attacking that screen with the sword of truth, I will let, I'll use me an example. I will let something my husband say filter through abandonment and rejection and think my husband doesn't love me or my husband doesn't want me. And I think the enemy uses, wants to keep, he keeps use, you know, reusing the screen, re, you know, attaching it. And we've got to attack it with the sword of truth. No, I'm not defective. No, I'm not, not wanted. No, I am loved. So that's a huge one. And then the other thing I've learned in marriage is so much is about timing. Maybe it's a valid conversation and you need to have it, but maybe you don't need to have it with your husband at 930 at night when, when and I'm speaking for myself, you know, when he's exhausted. And so I just apologized to my husband this morning about something. And I said, yeah, babe, my timing was off. I apologize. <laughs> I own that. And uh, apologizing is probably the one of the big, apologizing with genuine action behind it um, is one of the biggest, most beautiful um, components of a healthy marriage. Dropping the bombs today. I love this. Okay. So I want to get back into the book. So this is pretty powerful. And we were talking about some of the differences there. Let's share with people. If they haven't read your book, I I always love to know the genesis of what really inspired you to write the book. Yeah. I, um, and I happen to have a copy. So um, it's this blue fun copy. It looks awesome too. Yeah. Available wherever books are sold. Um, I, have been a storyteller my whole life. I have these crazy stories and then I love history and I have these lessons and, and people have always told me being a sportscaster now doing what I do. They're like, man, you should, you know, if there's a movie about your life, you know, like it's crazy. The people I've met, the things that I've overcome. And so I always had this desire to write a book. I tried in 2018. I um, was with the book agent that did heaven is for real and left behind (laughs) somehow stumbled with her. She's amazing. Her name's Lisa. And she was like, look, I think you're going to get three offers. You're going to get to choose my friend. I got nothing. I got no call back. I got nothing. And I, um, you know, I was crushed. And in the book, I talk about the God's reason for that at the timing he wanted my attention. And so, but the idea and the dream never left my head. And I was doing uh, Pastor Derwin Gray's podcast, and he told me, stop. Isn't he the best? He's the best. He's the best. And he stops me in the middle of the podcast, and he says, I need to be obedient to God. And I still have this podcast to listen to it. And he said, first of all, I need to tell you that you are going to be elevated to places that um, you can't even imagine. You're going to speak in stadiums. You're going to be sold. He said, don't forget it's God that got you there. And I'm like, whoo. And then he said, 
you need to write a book. And I said, I tried and it didn't work. And he said, I'm going to introduce you to my book agent after the podcast. He did. Five days later, I had a book agent. Three months-ish, I had a book proposal. Five months later, I had a book deal. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Oh, talk about timing too. And, <laughs> and I love that you're obedient to that. And that's back to the one connection, the one person that you go meet and you yeah. just don't know. And I think oftentimes people don't show up. Um, let's give them a little teaser of if they read the book, I always, I love the author's perspective. What, what can they get out of that book? What's in it for them, the reader that might Ooh. pick that up? It is part memoir, part self-help. There are scientific studies. There are historical um, pieces in here as, as I'm a history nerd. So there's also work uh, like workbook pages. So it's like, you know, self-help, motivational um, journal. It's an amazing book. So you're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You are going to grow. At the end of each chapter, there's something called a joy start, which a joy start to me, I coined the phrase and it is like a jump start for your car, but a joy start for your soul. And so at the end of each chapter, instead of waiting to the end of the book to do the work, it says, okay, I taught you about Martha Gellhorn, who was married to Ernest Hemingway, who was there when they liberated Dachau and then went and built a house on a hill in Africa. And I told you all about her and I told you the lessons with with her life. At the end of that chapter, I invite you right then. I ask questions and I invite you to put that into, into play in your life. And to write those questions out. And I fought for journal space in the end of the book. So after each chapter, there's a joy start to immediately take what you learned in that chapter and 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 apply it to your life. Because I don't know about you, but I've seen some great speakers and teachers in my life and they made me feel so good. But if there weren't takeaways, three weeks later, I'm right back to who I was before. And, and I don't want to do that. And so that's why I wrote the book in that way. And so I... I uh, the next step was, I said, what is a joy starter? And a joy starter is somebody who notices joy, spreads joy and is joy. And, um, and so I teach people how to be joy starters. That's the other, the other movement I created. I love that. And, and I talk about this often with our coaching groups or our companies and everywhere else, even myself is the difference between people that are successful. You see out there in achieving these results and the ones that are not many times is just the fact they didn't take an action. Yeah. And, and I've left great speakers and I'll have these great notes even. And I always think, what's the one action? And we did that last week. Um, interesting enough. And somebody said, man, I loved what you shared, Brian, because you gave us three things to do. We did one of them actually during the talk and then a couple things to do right after. And it's like, you know, that's, that's what it's about. So I love that people can pick up your book. They can immediately take action, sit with the chapter yeah. Love history, love those things. So we're going to make sure we'll put a link for the book so they can have it there. And as we wrap up, we could talk forever. I know this is <laughs> my new friend. So I'm like, I feel like we could cover a ton of stuff. You've got your podcast, mm -hmm. the Joy Starter podcast. Yeah. And is that going to be something I've listened to a few for people that are listening in? Are they going to get similar to that book and what you just described? And so what we've talked about? Yeah, you nailed it. Um, so the thing that I get over and over again from the book, and then I also got to narrate my book. So I was so excited about that. I fought for that is they were like, man, I felt like you're sitting right next to me and telling me these stories. Like you write just like you speak. 
And the way you speak and the way you teach people is just really authentic and really warm. And you tell people you love them because I do, because you're a human being and you're a miracle. And I may not know you that well, but I do love you. And, and because God gave me that kind of love to have for people. And so, um, yes, the Joy Starters podcast, and I love this, and this is the feedback we got and why we do it is it's like the story behind the story. Okay. So you saw me in a prison last week. Here's how I got there. You saw me on the road. Um, last week to five different places. Let me tell you what happened in between meeting the woman on the airplane who was going to lay her mother to rest, meeting the woman from Guatemala. So it's a behind the scenes. Um, it's what's on my mind. It's what's percolating that week. And yeah, absolutely love it. And I hope you'll check it out. It's available wherever you can, wherever you get your podcast. Love it. We will put the links there. And thank you. Genuinely, this has been phenomenal. We covered so much ground. And I know afterwards, guys, I'm going to put a selfish plug in for Rachel and this is she does offer coaching. So when you go to her website, we're going to put that link in there. If any of this has resonated with you today and you're like, man, I need more of that. Like I don't have joy in my life or my relationships aren't where they want. You're wearing a mask. Yeah. Any of that, man, let me just invite you to the next step for you is to take an action towards something, someone that can help you. And God did not intend for us to do this alone. And I talk about a lot of times is, is the point of which you moving out of that, what feels like hell right now and the storm that you're in and moving forward, a lot of times just raising your hand and asking for help. Amen. And so I would just invite you to do that. If that's resonated today with Rachel, we're going to have her link, connect up with her, get the help that you need because the people around you are counting on you. And I always look at it this way is, there's one life. God's given you a lot of unique experiences and a lot of the struggles that you may look at and go, why me? You know, you'll be telling your story like Rachel and, and like we get to do sometimes of now, how do we inspire the former versions of ourselves? So thank you for showing up and just massive value. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, you know, there's never, I'll say this as we, as we finish, I remember somebody said to me when the book was coming out earlier this summer, they said, um, you must get tired of doing these interviews. And I said, um, I prayed for this. You know, I prayed for this. I prayed for this opportunity. Um, God knew that something would come out of this that's bigger than just the two of us, whatever he has in mind. And somebody's going to get set free. Somebody's going to, you know, something's going to happen. Right. And, and it's, you really can't fathom it. And um, so I just want to say thank you for, um, for seeing worth and value and joy in me and, and wanting to have me on because you have some amazing people on and I live a kind of life. People say, why are you the way you are? Yes, it's joy. Yes, it's God. But I also live with this childlike wonder, like me, God, like me. Me? Like he wants to have me on? Like, that's so cool. Like, oh gosh. And so that's how I stay young is I have a childlike wonder, like, gosh, that flower is pretty. Wow, he is cool. Yes. I get to do his podcast. Like, wow. Yeah. Oh, and that could be your competitive edge. As I listened to it and was prepping for it, I think that is what makes you very uniquely you and the fact that you are curious and aware enough of those moments and those things. And yeah. you know, guys, you're listening to this. The ask I always have at the end is the same, is if something has inspired, motivated you, encouraged you, you know, pushed you to take an action that you knew you needed to take, drop us a comment, DM us, let us know. I know Rachel is the same. Is That's why we do this. You never know the one person that's going to listen to this. Yes. And maybe it's not you, but it's somebody in your life that you need to share this with. And I would encourage you, share that with your friends. 
is that may be the way you're able to communicate and help somebody out of a season in their life and to move forward. So make sure you leave us those reviews. Rachel, this has been phenomenal. I know we are going to stay in touch. Yes. And thank you for just being you. Guys, we're going to have all the links, all the information you can connect up with Rachel and the team afterwards. Thank you for tuning in and sticking it out with us. Mm-hmm.